Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia Smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. The holidays are alive and kicking, and there couldn't be a guest more jolly than this week's. Due to an error on my part, we won't have Jim Elzer this week, but he'll be on next week. This week, we have all-time great Donnie Teal from Buffalo's Barbecue. Donnie has been in this game for many years and has cooked just about everything under the sun. Donnie is a great human, and this is a great conversation with one of the living legends of competition barbecue. Please join me in welcoming Donnie Teal. So I'm here with Donnie Teal from Buffalo Barbecue. How are you doing today, Donnie? Doing well. Thanks, Luke. Been staying busy during the uh, pandemic? Yes. More <laughs> than what one fat man can stand most days. <laughs> well, I have to tell you that this is one interview that I've really been looking forward to doing. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit and glad that you would take some time to spend with me today. Appreciate you giving me a call and looking forward to it. So let's get into it. What do you you've cooked pretty much everything under the sun. What do you think is your biggest turning point as a pit master? The the biggest thing is getting that first call. I mean, when you first start cooking, that's usually what sets the way and you know, really Reels you in, and as far as really wanting to jump in deeper, you know, and uh, that first call always means a lot. Something you, you know, you always remember when you got your first call, where you was at, and what category it was, and so on and so forth. I always say that the first call is usually the most expensive one you'll ever get. (laughs) That's a fact. That's a fact. Barbecue people are some of the most superstitious people in the world. Do you have any, uh, any superstitions or habits or rituals that you go through at a contest? Just got a couple. I mean, when I do my ribs, I always got to go in a trash bag. <laughs> and that's just because once I did it and got a 180, and I've done it ever since. Not that I get a 180 every weekend in ribs. So it's just, <laughs> you know, my poor butts, I go in a big Ziploc, and the writing on the, on the Ziplocs has to be up with each side up. And main reason is that is years ago when I just cooked out of out of an easy up and, and a pit beside it was everybody kind of called me stealth like and because <laughs> I'd never turned in on any lights and but the reason I do my pork like that was I could put my pork on and, and as long as I could see the writing on the pork bag I know they were right side up and, <laughs> and if I turn a light on I'd always attract drunk. And then you're up talking instead of going back to sleep. So Right, right. It's funny how we do the dumbest things whenever we get success with with one thing, and then you have to do it that way the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. But, I mean, those are just a couple of the things that I'm always pretty particular about it's when I do stuff. So, so. Oh, That's good. What, so is, do you, is your schedule during the week – before a competition, is it the same every week? Do you have the same routine that you go through week to week? Yes. You know, as far as Sunday, I do everything that I need to do for the next contest. You know, I trim all my meat, seasoning boxes reloaded, yada, yada, yada. And then I just mix injections and stuff on, on Wednesday. Okay. 
Wow, getting ready Sunday. That's you're the earliest so far. <laughs> All the reason I do that is owning a barbecue. Used to I do a little bit here and a little bit there, but owning a barbecue place, I never, you know, with no employees, I, I could never get away from it. Right. And my attitude kind of went downhill because that's all I was doing. So I got where I do just bust butt and get everything done on one day, and I'm done with it the rest of the week, and I can come home and actually have a life other than <laughs> just constantly doing something, barbecue nonstop, because it was really wearing on me there for a long time. So I changed things up, and, but I do. I have everything usually done by 11 o'clock every morning. So, on a Sunday, chicken trimmed everything. Wow. I might have to incorporate that into my routine, make things a little easier on me. <laughs> for me, it helped to just, you know, kind of get my mind off of it for a little bit. So, just, mm -hmm. just a constant grind. I hear you. I hear you. It's, you know, one, one of the things that we all like to talk about in barbecues, we talk about our successes, but one of my favorite things to talk about are failures and what we learned from them. Do you have like a, a favorite failure of yours that, that really puts you on the good path? I wouldn't say on a good path, but I mean, one of the biggest failures that, that really sticks in my mind was the, the Invitational in 04. A lot of people know that me and Bar Clark cooked together and all we do is contests that were far, far apart or far away and anything around the house we'd always do as our own teams. But mm -hmm. when we cooked away, we called ourselves Boys from Tornado Alley. Mm -hmm. We was cooking a uh, roll in 04 and the Invitational and uh, cooking on Bart's pit and had convection plates in it. On my pit, I'd always, I cooked chicken and ribs Bart cooked the two big meats. On my pit was the same as his, except I didn't have convection plates. Well, my ribs get done, I used to just move them up to the front by the stack Mm -hmm. on that Joe and just let them ride and they just stayed nice and warm wouldn't cook no more and so that's what we did and I cooked three racks of ribs put two down on the grate and one stacked the other one on top we send chicken and open the ribs up and the bottom two are stuck to the full mm. I mean couldn't even get them off they just had full stuff I mean you peel the full off and it's just stuck to the ribs so they were running the other rack was dry, no juice, no full, and pretty much burnt tubes. It's just not as bad. So we poured some apple juice in a cup, stainless steel cup, wrapped it in full, and set it in the firebox. Got it boiling real quick, and I'd slice ribs, and we'd dunk the ribs in the apple juice, and they would bubble. That's how dry they were. <laughs> Paint them with sauce, put them in the box, and we go to the wards, and we get a chicken call, no rib call, get a pork call, get a brisket call. I told Bart, I said, we're doomed. <laughs> you know, and everybody's beating you or pointing at you. You're going to win this? You're going to win this? I said, no, you didn't see the ribs. I mean, that's not good. Yeah. And I think we ended up like sixth or seventh overall. I think I was 58th in ribs that year in the Invitational at like 73. If we were 50th, we would have won it. Oh, wow. So come back and I just set me easy up out there for a while, just by myself, <laughs> pissed off because I knew they cost us. And uh, we come back the next day and one open. So 
Wow. That was, uh, that's one of the mistakes that really stick out in my head that stay focused and realign and after it's watering the bridge just get ready for the next one it's really there's a couple of times that i've had some made some poor errors poor mistakes and it's really you know cost us and i always keep those in the back of my mind when i'm like you said when people are showing up wanting to talk and stuff and you got to remember to stay on task and stay on stay focused so you've been at this a long time. Has there ever been a point where you kind of hit your limit and you were almost out of barbecue? Not really. I always say that my motto is the worst day cooking beats the best day working. <laughs> so, And that's kind of what I stick to. And I always just, I'm one of them, once it's over, everybody sits around who and awes about, well, if I've done this or done that. Mm-hmm. To me, it's water under the bridge. It's time to move on to the next one and just get ready to go again. That's so. I just used to. I kind of get a little more tore up about it the longer I've done it. <laughs> just take it with a grain of salt. Got to do what makes you happy. That's for sure. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about equipment and stuff. What's the most? What's the best uh, investment you've ever made in competition barbecue? One of the things I bought this year was a $15 fold-up stool uh-huh. from Walmart. And changed, I mean, we've changed equipment this year. Went from a motorhome to a gooseneck trailer with a little backyard jambo and can out there on here. Mm-hmm. I bought that stool and just I'd sit out there right by my bed. And I told Cindy, I said, I don't really <laughs> like that because I sit out there and I heckle everybody and walk by <laughs> Plus, I'm right there paying attention to what I need to be instead of in and out of the motorhome. So, it uh, that $15 stool was nice investment. I, like I said, I enjoy sitting out there. I can listen to the radio, and, and I like heckling people when they walk by. So, that's <laughs> right up my alley. <laughs> Who's your favorite person to heckle? That's usually whoever's beside us. So, <laughs> I mean... Uh, if Dirk and Jody's beside us, Jody usually gets the brunt of it. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but I don't cut anybody much slack. I like I like keeping everybody on their toes as they walk by. So, <laughs> so who has who has impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? There's actually about three of them. Paul Shotty just passed away in July at a freak accident, and and Bill Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away several years ago. He was a cook from Texas, and my wife, all them, just keep me going and to a dawn. So I told the wife she's gonna have to get some broader shoulders. So <laughs> I first started cooking. Uh, Paul, he was at a contest in Lincoln, Arkansas, in 1998. The contest. We're fixed to turn in pork and tornado sirens go off. <laughs> and uh, so canceled all the turn-ins. Everybody had to go to shelter. Before they got there, everybody was rigging to, you know, back then, and there wasn't a whole lot of motorhomes and trailers. Everything was tents. Mm-hmm. Easy ups and put together tents. So everybody trying to get every, everything down on the ground and strapped down before the wind hit and the tornadoes were coming. And uh, then after it was over, it was just pouring down rain. Well, Paul had a stainless steel table 
and we moved it over underneath the American Legion on him. Well, he did his pork. Well, after he got done, we did our pork on his table because we didn't have anything set up. Mm-hmm. You know, we did brisket and so on and so forth. Paul tasted my brisket. It was pretty good. It was really great flavor. He goes, what are you cooking that to? So, oh, about 193. We're talking 1998. So, yeah. You know, it's a lot. He goes, uh, hmm, that's all he'd ever say. Well, the next weekend, we're at another contest, and I take it in a piece. Tells me the same thing. <laughs> Wait, that, all that in there is like 195. And everyone's saying anything else. And, huh, you know. <laughs> well, after I got older and a little wiser after cooking some more, I thought, he was telling me that I needed to go up on temperature, internal temperature, but he didn't want to come out and tell you that. Right. You know, it was like, that was his hint that you needed to do something different. And after I got to know him, I figured out, you know, <laughs> little thing, I mean, after that, I had tons of respect for Paul, and we were very close. So that's just one story about Paul. He just the way he went about things. He wouldn't come out and tell you, but... He made you work for it. I got a lot of that from him because a lot of people ask me things. I mean, I'll tell you one person is Drew McNabb with Hogtide. Yeah. You know, he first started cooking. We're over a contest in Arkansas or Missouri, Mountain Home, Missouri. And he comes over, he goes, how do you get this by-through skin? (laughs) <laughs> I said, well, you know, we just cook that stuff in butter and on and on. And I said, uh, try basting it. Well, he sends his dad downtown to the store and buys a turkey baster, you know. So he's basting his chicken with the turkey baster, and he comes back, and he got a call that day. He comes over and thanks me. He said, man, we want to buy a turkey baster. I said, well... I mean, really, what I eat, but it worked for you. You got a call, so but that was part of his arsenal after that. But you know, <laughs> so, but just little things, you know. You give people hints here or there, try to get them on the right track. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first barbecue contest? Yeah. When was that? 1995. There's a little non-sanctioned contest we went to, and you know. Of course, some KCBS guys were there because it was just a local deal and went there and took a roll butt beating and came home. <laughs> you know, once you didn't get a score sheet, so you don't really know where you ended up, but you didn't get out of your chair. And, <laughs> and, you know, back when I started cooking, there wasn't a lot of internet. I mean, there wasn't all this internet stuff and, and there wasn't any classes unless you went to like Paul Kirk's or something. But you learned a lot at, Friday night setting up with a bottle of bourbon or something <laughs> with the older cooks and hopefully they drink a little bit and they get a little loose lip and you try to learn something, you know, and weed out all the BS and take what you think might work and try to introduce, you know, work it into your process and see if it would work, you know. Yeah. And, but that's back then that's how you learn. I mean it, I started cooking. It took me a little over two years for I ever won the first grand championship. So nowadays, cooks don't get instant gratis. 
Right. If they don't start winning right off the bat, they're they're in they're in and they're selling everything and they're gone. Yep. But I mean, a lot of it's price nowadays versus back then too, because we wasn't cooking two hundred dollar briskets. And you know, if you was cooking a choice brisket back then, you was doing well. And if you was cooking prime, you was up on top of the world. <laughs> you know, everything was commodity pork, and you know, so I mean, there wasn't all the gadgets and. You know, you use no dial thermometer. And yep. Take five minutes, thermometer in, close the lid, and wait a few seconds, and open the lid back up and see where it was at. Hopefully, you didn't get sidetracked and come back and a spring was sticking out of it or something because <laughs> it melted. 1995, I had just graduated high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Done in a long time. Cooked over 700 contests. Wow. Oh. Well, that's so. I mean, you've been cooking before I even knew what barbecue, you know, was. Who, whenever you're having an issue with a meat, who do you who do you turn to? Who's your who's your go to advice person? Usually, my wife, as far as just because she knows my whole process. She may not know all the rubs here, you know, or that, but she knows the biggest part. But the process she has down and. She keeps on me about times and making sure I stay on the straight and narrow because I don't have notes or nothing like that. So she, everything is by memory. She knows what I do at what time, goes first, what goes second, so on and so forth. But so I mean, she keeps me <laughs> that part of it. She keeps me down. Yeah. So. Kim's pulled my butt out of the fire more times than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, she's the one that keeps me level-headed, you didn't do this right, or you need to do this right now, quit talking, get over here, so. Yeah. So you've been cooking for a long time, how do you, do you set goals for each season on what you want to accomplish? You know, you go back to the early 2000s, yeah, big thing to me was I wanted to be up there in the team of the year stuff, and I still do, but it's just, I chase that team of the year deal one year and about killed myself and, <laughs> and I thought you know didn't win it went to Kansas City like seven weekends in a row had like six reserves and I had to have another grand even to get there and I just kept getting reserves and couldn't ever get over the hump told myself I did it once and <laughs> drive home at night be all over the road you know I just when you cook 14 weekends in a row. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, there's, a, you know, nowadays it ain't such a big deal, but there's a, one summer there, I, that one year I cooked 47 contests. Wow. And I cooked 24 of them in a row. Oh. You know, back then it was tough because, I mean, like I said, it was pick up and easy up and, if I knew it wasn't going to rain or if it wasn't going to be scalding hot, I never even set up an easy out. 
I never even ho- unhooked my pit from the pickup. <laughs> I'd, I'd use, if the wind was blowing, I'd use my tailgate as a cut board and put my cut board on it, pull two ice chests on each side of it, set my other ice chest in front of my cutting board, and that's where I'd set my box. I'd build my box and go. And I had a little table for a water can, and that was pretty much my setup. The first time I met Tuffy Stone was Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and I did that like that. Want my brisket box, come back. My truck was already running, my air conditioner on. <laughs> Flipped my tailgate up, washed my cutting board off, put it in the back seat of the truck, leaned the seat back and took a nap before the awards. <laughs> Tuffy, Tuffy come over me because I've never seen a guy like you. No easy up. Jack knife your truck around where you tailgate would be on the doors of his pit side where you tell you just walk right there and cut your meat because i've never seen nobody like this in my life <laughs> he, he was he still tells that story to people so. <laughs> i've never heard that one before that's good <laughs> yeah, I, I was notorious for there and i'd always be at the car wash and I'd go to the car wash before awards usually and wash my pit inside of my pit and all that and come back and I take a what I call an oil filled bath at the car wash. Always bring a towel and uh, of course get my shaving kit out and uh, the wand at the car wash and set it up there where you put your mats on that mat hanger. Uh-huh. Stick my head underneath there, wet my hair, wash my hair rinse it out, dry it off with a towel, wash my face and my armpits and put on a new shirt and a little bit of cologne and go back to the ward. There's many times that's helped me get all the way home instead of having to stop and get enough pay for a hotel room. So Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna call that the face and your hair and stuff. Just <laughs> had one guy one cooked with me one time, he was another cook. I was pulled all that out and he goes, What the heck are you doing? What I call an old field bath. <laughs> he goes, You're crazy. Well, we're in Dodge City and it's July and it's like 115 degrees out there, you know, and wind blowing and dirt. I did it. And I said, You want to do it, Stu? I don't know. <laughs> and he tried it and he goes, I think you're on to something here. I said, I'm telling you, it works. <laughs> The Donnie Teal Car Wash Shower. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, been cooking for a long time. What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? Most surprising thing that's come out of barbecue? Yeah. Just the people. The friendships all over the country. You know, I tell people you could be cruising through, say, Indianapolis, and something happened, you break down or whatever you can then say well i know somebody i know so-and-so he lives here but if he ain't got his number you can call well i know so-and-so he probably got his number so i'll call him get the number and you know and next thing you know hey yeah this guy over here he can help you get you fixed stuff like that and it's just not i use that still you know when we go look for show pigs i get up in that north or whatever, north and east. And, you know, if I have problems, I call somebody from barbecue. Hey, I need 
this or that, or mm -hmm. I'm in this town, or where's a good place to go eat, or yada, 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 or, I mean, just the, the friendships you make all over the country is, is just priceless in my books. We've had some good experiences with that ourselves in terms of, you know, earlier this year, our teammate Leanne, she had to move early from Arizona to South Carolina, and she got hung up in Mississippi. Somebody smashed the window into their car, you know, right outside of Memphis, and I put out the alarm. Is there anybody that can go? It was a Sunday morning. Next thing you know, a bunch of our friends from Mississippi were rallying the troops to, to get them the help they needed, you know. Melissa Cookson, yep. Melissa Cookson's on the phone with people trying to find somebody to fix the window. I mean, it was, it was really amazing. That's the thing. It's so great about one guy used to say years ago, "It's a big, it's a big family reunion, but you get to choose your family." Yep. So, <laughs> what advice would you give to a smart young cook who's about to enter the world of competition barbecue? I would say, don't let your head. Get bigger than your hat band. Yep. I mean, because, I mean, one day you're the bug, one day you're the windshield, and stay grounded. And you know, it's nice to get excited when you win and so on, but just, just don't let your head get too big because it will pop. So. <laughs> yeah, we, I think we see a lot of that, especially with the advent of social media and all that stuff. There's a lot of. And the instant gratification that you talked about earlier. Everyone expects yeah. success immediately. The younger people that get out there, I would say, you know, more than likely 90% of them are more are freshly married, mm -hmm. have young kids at home, and you get the off into this, and you're saying, honey, I'm going to go cook with the guys. Because usually when you start out, there's three or four of you, and then it weeds down to one or you and a wife or mm -hmm. you and another guy. Because you get too many opinions and or I'm going my way, I want to do it like this or whatever, you know. So you tell the wife, I'm going to go cook. And then she's saying, you're not leaving me here two days with the kids while you're out drinking and having a good time. <laughs> you know, and so if they go and get their butts whipped and then come home with nothing, and they've spent, you know, if it's three or four of you and you spent a couple hundred bucks these or 300 bucks you know or if it's two of you and you spent five or six hundred bucks it don't take long for a new wife to <laughs> either you're it's me or this or that or you know something's got to give or yeah. so that's why i think a lot of the newer people especially around where i'm at you'll see them maybe at two or three contests a year some of them do pretty good but they just don't cook a lot because of the expense of having young families. And a lot of them will tell you, oh, I can't do this. Wife says, you know, I can't go this weekend. But you call people and say, you know, we need teams at this contest. You start hollering at them, hey, you know, come do it. Make some more teams. Can't go, can't go. Mm -hmm. that, that's the big thing is just a lot of people. The wives don't want to get stuck at home with the kids or so on and so forth every weekend. Yep. And I think that's what's helped the state deal so much is, is you can go that morning and you're back home that evening. Right. Know. Just a one-day thing. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and the cost, you know. Well, if it was up to my wife, she'd cook every weekend. 
<laughs> oh yeah, well, there's something like that. Those are the good women. They're hard to they're hard to come by, and I got one of them. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> how how'd both those big guys get so lucky? <laughs> exactly. It's a personality. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you for being on here today. We're, we're up to my favorite part, the rapid-fire questions. I really enjoy these questions. What What do you think is the biggest misconception about you? Oh, a lot of people think I'm, I don't talk very much. I'm, I'm, usually, I'm one of them, and I do a lot more listening than I do talking. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do. I, I probably over-evaluate things, but I always listen to people and, I don't say a whole lot, you know, and people come around Friday, I'm kind of talkative, but Saturdays don't come messing with me. I mean, I just... (laughs) That's business time, yep. Exactly, you know. That's probably one of the biggest things is people probably don't think I'm very talkative, but as you probably realize, once you get to know me, I'm a lot more talkative, so... I think you're a bundle of joy. Don't say how big a bundle. <laughs> You're probably the my favorite person that I've bought underwear for. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. <laughs> what do you see on about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? I would say probably the, the low scoring. I can to me it's just numbers. As long as the numbers are consistent, yeah. you know. But it, you know Across the board, but, you know, it but, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll say Wisconsin, for instance. You go up there, usually a 680 or 685 wins it. Mm-hmm. As long as the numbers are, I mean, it's just a number. Right. As long as they're consistent, it don't, you know, but everybody's got to want to take satisfaction of the 700s and so on and so forth. I'll give you an example. I want a contest. I think it was like 05 with a 595.4. <laughs> and the guy was reserved was 583. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, these these were my scores across the board. A 134, a 160, a 147, and a 155, and I went grand with a 595. <laughs> Man, those people must not have been hungry at all. <laughs> I mean... But, I mean, at, at the 583, then the numbers were like 582, 581. But, you know, people talk about low scoring. I mean, I, I, I've got that picture of the score sheet on my phone. <laughs> and I, people start griping. I said, hey, look at this. This I want a contest right here's my name, and here's the total score. <laughs> you know? I said, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little while. I'll get you win a grand with less than a 600. Do so, you? And I've been on both ends of that. You know, I've been on the high end of it. And I've been on the low end of it. Yeah. Well, the numbers are consistent. Yeah, nobody wants a bunch of sixes and fives. Does it kind of hurt your ego? I guess you could say, say, I know my food's better than that or whatever, you know, so on and so forth. That's the that's the hard thing for people to come to grips to is that it, it's not you eating it; it's six strangers. So what what's one of your favorite pre, during, or post competition meals? Well, I'd say before is we love doing Friday night potlucks, uh-huh. or do a 
that's a potluck, but give it a theme. If you're going to do Mexican food or Cajun food or just a regular potluck where everybody just brings this or that or a hot dog or weenie roast or we really enjoy them. One of the things that are different from now to back when I've cooked is there was a lot more of that back then and people sat around and actually sat around on Fridays and visit mm-hmm. instead of being hung up in your trailers or in your campers watching TV or and uh, that made a huge difference. I mean, you actually got to know people other than just seeing them, well, that's so-and-so's, that's their team name, and they're from here. Yeah. You actually knew them and knew their family. You knew their kids, what their kids did, actually what they did for work. There are actually, you really got to know them as friends instead of just friends that could. Right. And... And you know, the potlucks are a thing. We got away from them up here in our area for a long time. And everybody said, hey, would you bring that potluck deal back? I said, I'll do it. And I said, if you're invited to my potluck, you bring a chair. And you don't come get a plate of food and carry it back to your camp. Right. You bring a chair and you sit around and visit and eat dinner. And then if you bring food, I don't want to see you bringing anything from the store. I want you to put some effort in it and make it from, at the house or make it at the contest, and I'll just swallow well, around here and give it cupcakes and throw them on the table. Amen so. to that. I, that is, you know, that is a big reason that I stopped going to potlucks is because people would go buy like a box of fried chicken or something. 